Ah, oh, man, who's hungry for the word today? Amen. Amen. Few people. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> I'm missing a mood today. <laughs> awesome. All right, Deanna, good. Well, let's do this. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. One of my favorite stories. I mean, definitely a very famous story that most people probably heard. Um, in the Bible, and it's about the Samaritan woman at the well. And, you know, there is this real powerful event that occurs where Jesus meets this Samaritan woman who's coming to fetch water, and he talks to her about how, you know, he's the source of living water, and she, for the first time, sees him as Christ the Messiah. And it's this awesome story where uh, she gets a revelation and she goes and tells all the people in the village and then they come to see for themselves and basically revival breaks out over the next couple of days in this town. And uh, that part of the story is relevant to the message today, but I actually want to focus on part of this event that happens in the, in the later section of the story. And I think it'll all start to come together here in just a minute. So if you got your Bible, go to John 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 27. So it was at this point that Jesus' disciples came to him, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said to him, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So this all happened, this is happening now after the event and the encounter that Jesus had had with her. So verse 30, they went out, then they went out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, Jesus' disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. So Jesus, you know, get something to eat. But then he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, somebody bring him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? I'll touch on that in a minute. Behold, I say to you, this is a huge part of the verse right here. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. Open up your eyes. In fact, if you're taking notes today, that's the title of our message is Open Up Your Eyes. So they're in this situation where this very significant event has just occurred. This Samaritan woman that hears the, the message of Jesus and sees him as Christ and she goes her way to tell the rest of the village. But the disciples have just come back from going to get something to eat. They went to, I don't know, Taco Bell or KFC or something and they just picked up takeout. And now they're back. So they're traveling. They're hungry. You know, they need some grub. So they come back. And when they come back, Jesus is, Jesus is just finishing up with this woman. And she's just getting ready to head out on her way. There's divine timing in this. And I'll explain that in a second too. So they come back and they see Jesus doing this. And they come up to him. And they're kind of like, what's going on? And why are you talking to a woman? And he says, open, or they say, why is he talking to a woman to themselves? And so he says to them, Look out over and see, open your eyes, the fields are white for the harvest. So why does he say open your eyes? Why does he say that to them? Are they walking around blindfolded? 
No, they have their eyes closed and they need to open them so that they can see where they're going. No, there's a spiritual implication here. He's telling them, open your eyes. In another translation, it says, uh, or he's telling them, lift up your eyes. In another translation, it says, open your eyes and look around you and see what's going on. So clearly what is happening here is that Jesus sees something in this picture that the disciples do not see, but the key is they're both looking at the same scene. Now, isn't this true of what could be said in our lives as we walk and grow in the Lord? That many times we see a picture that's perhaps tainted or flawed or influenced by preconceived thoughts or beliefs or false you know, th- ways of thinking, and Jesus sees something completely different in that situation. The question is, is Jesus, are we in a place where Jesus can open our eyes to actually see what he sees so that it can change our world? Because that's exactly what happened in this scenario. You guys ever see pictures of, or those videos where those guys are doing those crazy fast paintings and you're trying to like figure out what it is and then all of a sudden at the very end they like flip it over. And it's like this perfect picture. You're like, oh, you know, it was the same thing the whole time. You just can't see it until you look at it from a different vantage point. And let me just suggest to you guys that what we need is we need to see increasingly more and more clearly what it is that Jesus sees. The Bible says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So we need the mind and the eyes of Christ and he'll give them to us. He'll open our eyes to see as long as we're in a place where our eyes can be opened. And if we see the wrong picture, if we see something that we feel is reality or we've kind of defined a belief for ourselves and now we see everything through that lens, here's where the problem is, is that we start walking, we start moving, we start acting things out in, in alignment with like what this false view is that we have and then ultimately all kinds of problems start to happen after that. And isn't it true that two people could look at the same picture and see something totally different? You know, I mean, during the Great Depression, tons of people killed themselves and had all kinds of horrible things and saw this picture of doom and gloom. But, you know, there were other people who saw opportunity and took advantage of that and helped revive the economy and bring the country back. So it was the same situation. It's just seen totally different ways from different people. But if we see something wrong and we start acting and moving in that, we can start to get ourselves in trouble. In fact, a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, when we're struggling, when we're toiling with something, a season or whatever in our lives, and it just seems like we keep running up against this ceiling, you know, and we're trying to break through and think we're doing everything right, but we just don't seem to be breaking through the way that we want to. In a lot of cases, not all, but a lot, it's because we need our eyes opened to see something that we don't yet see about the exact picture that's in front of us that we're just looking at the wrong way. And Jesus needs to lift our eyes spiritually so that we can see what it is that he sees and then we can move forward under a completely different lens or vantage point from that time on. Make sense? And I remember one time whenever uh, Evie, our fourth daughter, was a baby. So that was, 
hold on. <laughs> Five, I know, I got six of them. So you got to go through the math every now and then. Every now and then I'll like tell a story and Katie be like, that was the wrong kid. <laughs> you know, details, you know. <laughs> I know. In fact, if you ought to hear me tell a story and then her tell a story and then it's like, anyway. But um, so Evie was a baby. We're at our old house and when the kids were young, when they were all, each one of them were babies and they would start like screaming and crying in the middle of the night. Like usually I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Yeah, I just told this story the other day to somebody, so they were laughing back there. So usually I'm a pretty sound sleeper, but for whatever reason, the cry of a child wakes me right up out of my sleep, and I just like start running towards the room, you know? And uh, I'm the caring parent. Like, Katie sleeps right through it. <laughs> the only thing that she does is she's like, Matt! <sighs> That's the way it goes. So anyway, just... She's downstairs today. So anyway, um, it's between us <laughs> and the rest of Facebook. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we're sitting there, and so I'm, we're, we're getting ready to go to bed. We're laying down in the bed, and the kids are all asleep, and Katie goes over, and I have no idea why she does this, but she shuts the door halfway. I'm a little OCD on certain things, and to me, you either shut the door or you open it all the way or close the thing. And it just like drives me crazy. So then she thinks it's funny, so she leaves it halfway open, right? So I'm like, babe, would you just shut the door all the way or just open it all the way? And then she doesn't and she sits down and then anyway, we talk about that and then forget about it. Boy, should I have went and shut the, or opened that door. So I go to sleep, I don't know, it's two or three o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden, boom, there goes Evie, screaming. You know, one of those screams that you're like, let me just run and make sure everything's okay. I jump out of bed. Now, I think to myself in a moment, I know this path. <laughs> I go right here. I know where the door is. I know where the hall is. I know how to turn. And it's dark, of course. I think that I see this picture so clearly that I can just run full speed and go right into her room as quick as possible. I have this idea of what reality is, right? not the case. I take off running full blast and the door is on a 45 degree angle and I literally slam right into the door with my forehead. And of all the things that they didn't do real good in that house, they put those doors in solid because there was no give. And that jam and the hinges and everything, it was just like I felt like I ran into a brick wall, and somehow, I, I could never do this again in my life if I tried. Somehow, my big toe on my right foot managed to slide underneath of the door in the carpet, and it ripped my toenail up and gashed this hole in my toe. <laughs> but I didn't know that because I was actually knocked, I was laying on, the, on my back. I think I was somewhat unconscious for a few seconds, I really do. I'm just kind of like, what has happened? And then it hit me, the door. <laughs> Katie. And then all of a sudden I hear this voice over. This is true. This really happened. I hear this voice in the bed. Are you okay? What happened? <laughs> no, I'm not okay. And then she goes back to sleep. And so I get up. I go and do what the good parent would do. And I go in and take care of the kid. Come back, lay back down, go to sleep. Everything's fine, right? The next morning. I get up, and I'm like, what, something, what happened? I start walking, oh, my toe, 
oh, that's what happened. And Katie, she's already up. She comes walking out of the bathroom. She looks at me. I've got this giant egg on my head. And she goes, ha, 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 what happened to you? And I'm like, what happened to me? The door. Oh, so what's the point of that story? Yeah, open your eyes. You think you have a picture of reality if that's not really it, and you take off running, you're going to get knocked from head to toe right down to the ground. That's what the picture of the story is. Oh, man. But listen, in all seriousness, that's hard to get serious after that, but in all seriousness, we are all continuously in need of having our eyes opened by Jesus because we don't come into this world seeing clearly that's what you got to realize it's not like we come in seeing clearly and then we start to lose some of that we actually come in to the world not seeing clearly so everything that is clear actually has to be revealed to us and so when God when we accept the news of Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us Right away, there's a veil that gets, porned, that gets pulled down, and we begin to see now through a new lens. But there's still a whole bunch of like preconceived beliefs and ideas and thoughts, and for many of us, we didn't come to know Jesus until later in our adult years, so there's years and years of experiences and things that we've been through that we don't realize it, but we just kind of adopt these things as our reality as part of what we believe is, to, is, is true. And then we just go about our way and forget about those things and we can move forward in, from a flawed perspective. And, so it, and that's all of us. The point of this story that I'm talking about today is that Jesus sets the stage to, to send a huge message to us that our eyes are, are regularly in need of being open to see a picture that he sees. Remember when I said about divine timing? You see, if the disciples would have been there right at the beginning of when Jesus was talking to this woman, I'm convinced they probably would have disrupted the whole situation. They probably would have jumped in, what's, Rabbi, what are you doing, you know, and talking to a woman. And look, here's what you gotta understand. This would give a little context, a backdrop, okay? This place is called Samaria. It's to the north of Israel. In about the 700s BC, a conquering group known as the Assyrians came through and they conquered almost all of the northern tribes of Israel. And when they did that, they, the people that they conquered of, of, the, of the Jewish nation began to worship their gods. And they began to have multiple marriages and, and they just kind of totally went off course and they no longer really served and worshiped the true God. So the people of Jerusalem, the southern regions, they viewed the people in the north, the Samaritans, as a corrupt, uh, dirty people that were not to be touched, they weren't to be associated with, they weren't to be intermingled with. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that the disciples were at the very least mildly disgusted that they had to spend the night in Samaria on their ways and their journeys to go to the places that they were going with Jesus. But that's exactly the setup that Jesus allows to happen. And they come back from getting food right as Jesus is finishing up with this woman. 
So they get to see him talking to her and having this conversation, but right after the awesome work that he's already done is completed, and then she goes on her way. And so they're like, you know, why, why is he talking to a woman? Now, listen, whether you, you like this or not, at the time, you know, the culture was, so Jesus is a rabbi. He's known as teacher, rabbi. And they didn't necessarily associate or talk to and teach women. They would teach in the synagogues and, and the men, and then they would teach, and that's just how it went. So there's this huge exclamation point because not only is he talking to the woman, but it's a Samaritan woman. It's a person who the rest of these disciples who've walked with Jesus all this time are viewing as totally like disgusting, filthy, don't touch them, like we need to get away from here. What are you, what are you doing, right? And when they come back and they're thinking these thoughts and they're having this situation, Jesus says, open your eyes. I see something that you don't see, and you need to see it. There's a picture here before you, and you need to see it from my vantage point. He says something about the harvest, right? Remember that? He says, you, in four months, there's a harvest. So the harvest was in the spring for wheat. So they're probably in this region around November, December, in the winter. And the harvest of the physical crops are still four months away. That's what he means by that. So in the physical, they can easily look at where the crops are at and where they're at in their growth stage and know that it's not harvest time yet. It's a ways out. And so Jesus is saying, there is a harvest here and it's ready right now. And it's not what you see in the physical. I need you to see something in the spiritual. I need to open your eyes to see something that you're not going to see if you're just looking at your physical surroundings and what you think you already know about this whole scene. And he's also letting them know, look, for the, for the first time, they're getting this revelation that all of a sudden, it isn't just the Jewish people who can get saved. It isn't just the Jewish people who Jesus has come that can hear the good news and respond to that. And they needed to see that. That veil needed to be ripped down and their eyes needed to be opened because that had so much bearing on the way the church was going to be birthed after Jesus completed his work on the cross. They needed to see Jesus show them a picture of people who they thought were dirty and untouchable radically get changed and transformed by the love of Jesus and a whole village experienced revival over the next few days. The Bible says they begged him to stay. He, they, they were trying to go, and he begged them to stay, and he stayed a few more days. He hung out with them. Isn't that awesome? People who are untouchable are running to see Jesus. Just as a side note, I love this. Jesus is so direct. He's firm, and he's strong, but sinners and people who are far from God respond to him in a way many times where they just absolutely love him and can't wait to be around him. Is that how we're affecting people? Because that is how we should be affecting people, right? Even, even being truthful, but yet loving in the same way. So he shows them this huge picture that they had never, ever seen before. So why couldn't they see it? This is where I want us to think about for a second. Why couldn't they see what Jesus saw? And would these things potentially be hindrances for us to see what Jesus sees and could they get in the way of Jesus opening our eyes to see a picture he needs us to look at? The first thing I recognize here is that they were really bound up by the history and the culture of their time, and it was blinding them to 
to see this different situation. They were all caught up in the fact that these were people from Samaria. They were Samaritans and they were dirty and they were unclean. Jewish people would have no dealings with them. They accepted that, and so that was their reality. It never occurred to them that these people might need to hear about Jesus just as much as everybody else that they were on their way to go talk to because they were influenced so much by their previous culture and history. So let me ask them, can we grow up in such a way where we're exposed to things and we, are, we have experiences and situations that begin to kind of define reality for us, but a flawed reality, one that's actually not biblical or not what the Word of God would teach. Absolutely. Can we adopt those views unknowingly, embrace them, and then allow them to become a reality, and then that influences and affects the way that we act and see situations? Absolutely. And then we run into a door, right? And then it happens. <laughs> So, listen, this was a watershed moment, okay? And we need these moments, guys. This was a watershed moment for them because all of the historical and cultural influence that had kind of bound their thinking and their sight up was, was broken off and was shed off in a moment, in an event, and Jesus was able to open their eyes, and it changed the way they saw people from that point on. They saw everybody as needing the love of God, and no one was away from needing to be reached by the good news of Jesus. That was a major epiphany and a turning point. In fact, according to the chronological timeline, this was the first Gentile revival that actually happened in the Bible. Up to this point, it was all the Jews that really, this was the first time non-Jews had come to the knowledge of Christ as the Messiah, and this revival broke out in this village. That would continue to happen many more times over through the birth of the New Testament church. But this was the point where the disciples' eyes were actually open to that for the first time. So the first thing is that gets in our way are historical, cultural influences, maybe from our upbringing, maybe from our past, maybe experiences. Listen, we can have experiences that hurt or wound us, many times those really create false views of things. And because of that, we sort of just think, hey, we know what this is, or we know what those people are about, or we know what this situation is like, because we've been through something ourselves, and we sort of adopt this blanket statement, when in reality, it was just an isolated or single experience. But those kind of wounds can cut so deep that we can actually form a whole view and vantage point around something and then live our lives thinking that that's really what reality is. So there's this whole cultural background and upbringing that they had. The second reason why they couldn't see what Jesus had to open their eyes to see ahead of time is because they were really focused on their, on their own needs at this point. Now, I get it. They had to have food. They had to eat. We all got to eat, right? Everybody's going to probably go to lunch after we leave here. We need food. But I think there's a reason why this whole part of the story is in there. Why does the Bible say they went to get food and they brought food back and they told Jesus to eat and Jesus said, I don't need food. I have something better. This whole thing around this food thing, right? They were like wanting, they, they needed food. They were concerned with their own needs and what they had and their fleshly desires at this point that were sort of dominating the, the picture or the box that they were able to see in. And so a lot of times, the, one of the keys to us being predisposed or in a position for Jesus to really open our eyes to see the picture that he wants us to see is that we have to be able to get away, get outside of just ourselves. 
Because there is a multitude of people up around here that Jesus said, this is the picture and this is what's going on. Forget about the food for a second. We'll eat later. Like that's, but let's forget about our own needs and let's look at this harvest that's ripe and ready for revival. Because it's right here in front of you right now, today, not tomorrow, not later. Now it's right here. And we need to see it before we leave and move on and miss this moment and this opportunity. My God, if they would have just moved on from that. Can you imagine? Who knows how many lineages of people were affected by that revival? But the point is, is that if we have preconceived beliefs and ideas that we're not willing to have broke off of us, that we don't allow to be challenged with truth, with the word of God, that word right there, when you read it, comes up against and conflicts with those preconceived wrong views. The, the word of God has this in, enormous supernatural ability to break and deconstruct false views while establishing and rebuilding uh, true views at the same time. It can dismantle wrong thinking and build a foundation for truth thinking at the exact same time when we read it. And I think that these were the two things that kept the disciples from first seeing it for themselves. But praise God that Jesus pulled their eyes, that he opened their eyes to see a picture that he saw that they couldn't see. And the truth is, is that we can't open our own eyes. <laughs> Jesus has to be the one to actually open them for us. What we can do is we can be predisposed, if you will, be in a place, be in a right position so that our eyes are actually able to be open. But if we're not, we can get in our own way. We can actually keep Jesus from being able to open our eyes because we perhaps don't put ourselves in the right place to where our eyes actually can be open. So how, how can that happen? Well, first of all, you see here, the disciples, they're imperfect people. You know, they're thinking about food and takeout and Chinese or Italian or whatever. I mean, they got their own deal going on. So they're imperfect people and they, they're looking at the Samaritans and probably saying all kinds of nasty things about them. So they're not perfect, but yet they were still able to have their eyes opened. They were still able to have the veil torn down. What was it about where they were, the position they were in that allowed that to take place? First of all, they were close to Jesus. They were walking with him. They were close to him. They were right there around him. That wouldn't have happened if they were in some distant place or far away from God. Let me ask you a question. Can we walk with Jesus? Can we walk with Jesus? Yes. Can we walk away from Jesus and not walk, carry our lives out walking with him? So when we're walking with him, can we really expect him to be able to open our eyes when we're far or we're distant or we're not looking? But if we're walking close with him day in and day out, trusting him, putting our faith in him, prayer, constantly just you know, giving our, our lives devoted to him, then we're walking with him in that respect and we're in a place where, yeah, he can open our eyes. Even if we're a mess, folks, but we love Jesus, our heart is right and we're walking with him, whew, he can pull some of that stuff down for us because we're close to him. The second thing that allowed their eyes to be open, one, they were close to him, two, that they were willing to hear the words of Jesus. They were willing to hear what Jesus was saying and allow those words to redefine reality for them. Let me ask you something. Can we hear the words of Jesus? Yes, it's right here. Now for them, it was a different dispensation of time, meaning a, a, a piece of time. In this particular point, Jesus was 
the son, or the, this was the son, God was the son, he was in fleshly form, God in human flesh, and walking with him. So they were hearing his words in proximity. He was around them, like you and me talking, right? Today, we have the Holy Spirit. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, God sent his Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit's in us, he can speak the word of God to us. Same effect as when Jesus was speaking to the disciples in person. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, the living, accurate, sharp, two-edged sword, word of God, and we hear it, it can cause the veil, the, our eyes to literally be open in an instant and see a completely different picture than perhaps what we've seen for years and years and years. And that's what we need is we, we have to be willing and, and seeking, let me say it that way, for God to continuously open our eyes and help us to see what he sees because that's what we need. And if we can see as he sees, then we can navigate and we can walk the path that he's laid out before us more clearly and accurately. And that's where we will walk in and fulfill the calling and the plan that he has for our lives. But if we've got all this junk and all this false picture of what reality is, and we're trying to go, but we won't see it differently, you're just running up against a wall. And you know what one of the biggest things that we have to get, I think, is that we have to be humble. Because a lot of times, pride can get in the way of this. Because here's what pride would look like in this situation. It's, I think I know what is true. I, I've, I've got this figured out. This is what this situation is. The, I, I know what that person's all about. I know this. I know that. And in a way, it can kind of become prideful in a sense that we don't allow ourselves to be humble enough to think God could show us a different picture or there might be something different going on than what we have just sort of suggested. We are all knowing and we've got this thing figured out. And we all do it, folks, all of us. We've been in places, even unknowingly, we're like, Oh yeah, this is definitely what this is. Well, humility would say, that's probably, it might be what it is, but maybe there's something else to see here. Maybe there's more to the picture than what I'm actually getting. Maybe there's more outside of myself and my own situation that I haven't looked at yet, and I need to allow God to open my eyes to something he wants me to see that I just haven't seen yet. And that's humility. And if pride gets in our way, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we'll walk in humility, really just kind of always going forward in our lives, like, man, I just want to see what you see, Jesus. God, help me just to see through your eyes. I'm like this imperfect, flawed person. Paul says, look, we always see this world as if we're looking through a glass dimly. So we're never going to see with perfection. But that doesn't mean that we don't continuously need to have things pulled down so that we can see more and more clearly as Jesus sees the picture before us so that we can walk in and thrive in and flourish in the calling that he has for our lives. Amen? Amen. So let me ask you this as I close today. Is there possibly something that you're going through right now? Maybe you're in a, a time, a season in your life. Maybe you're hitting that wall, you know, and you think, man, I've tried, you know, to break through, or it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Maybe it could be. I'm not saying for sure it is. It could be other things, but maybe it's just that God needs to open your eyes to something. 
Maybe you need to have a watershed moment. Maybe there's some contaminated thinking that you've embraced and adopted, a way that you see things that's really distorting a picture that God just says, hold on, before you keep going, I just need to open your eyes. I just want you to see something that's been right in front of you all along. You've just never seen it the way I see it. Perhaps that is the case. I would be willing to bet for some people that are here today, that is exactly what is happening and going on. And so how, how can we be in a place where God can open our eyes? We stay close to him, we walk with him, and we hear his words. He's the opener. You, I can't do anything. I can't pull a shade down. I can't do that. I have no ability to do that. I can do that for you. You can't do that for me. We can't do that. You know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has to open our eyes for us. But thank God he wants to. He'll do it. He's ready to, actually. In a moment, we just have to be in the right place for it to be able to happen. We got to be close to him, and we got to hear his words. Because I'm telling you, when you open this up on a regular basis, and you feast on this bread of life, the living word will come penetrate through every circumstance every complex situation and it'll open our eyes in a moment in an instant to something that God sees that we need to see I'm fully aware of my flawed nature I'm fully aware there are many things I'm probably looking at right now and I don't see them as Jesus sees them but you know what I know I need to do I need to stay close to him I need to keep feasting on this word and I need to stay humble because I really want him to open my eyes so that I can see everything it is that I need to see that he sees before me. Amen. Stand to your feet with me, please. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, for the closeness, for the intimacy. I thank you for the living word that's penetrable, sharp. I thank you, God, that you're everything that we need. There's nothing we need outside of you and nothing that we can find that's of any value outside of you, God. Everything that we need, we have in you. And I pray right now, Lord, that anyone here who's opening their heart in this moment who's humbling themselves, who's seeking you, anyone you're, you're pulling at their heart to try and open their eyes to see something before them. Perhaps it's been there all along. They just need to start seeing it differently and it'll change their life from this point on that you would do that now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would dismantle, begin to break and fracture and crack and shed any false views, any false thinking, any hurts or wounds that have really built up false views for people. God, I pray that you would begin and start healing them. Reveal those to people. Lord, do a work right now. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, it's so powerful in this place today that you open eyes in ways like never before. Let there be a refined level of clarity God, of clearness to what you want us to see. God, I pray that you would help this message to just get into our heart so that we live this point on forward humbly, just 
always seeking you to open our eyes to things that we need to see, God. Help us to just live that way so that we're always predisposed. We're always in position and in the right place for you to be able to pull the veils down, for you to be able to expose things for what they are. And most importantly, Lord, help us to be aware of a, of a world around us. Help us to see outside of ourselves. Help us to see all of the hurt and all of the people who, who are being affected by what you're doing in our lives. It's not just affecting us, but all the things around us to get a bigger picture like what you have, Lord, so that we can love others as you've loved us. Now, thank you that you've given us all of these things through your son, your precious son, who we're so grateful for, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the blood. We thank you that we're washed clean and made white as snow and redeemed, made right with you, God, not by any works of our own, but by grace and through faith that we could come to the knowledge of you, Lord, and walk according to the purpose and plan you have for our lives. We aspire to that, Lord. Fulfill your calling for us. Help us to move forward and increased sense of strength and faith toward that purpose, Lord. Bless each and every person here today as they go and help us to just continue to draw close to you through prayer, through your word, fellowship, community, worship, all the things that bring us closer to you, God. Surround us with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope that, thank you, bless you as well. I hope you had a great day. I hope this has helped you a little bit, this message. You know, I just, man, I'm telling you, I'm a guy who just needs to have his eyes opened all the time. Just go ask my wife. She'll tell you. It's pretty, pretty obvious, right? Do not take off running and run into any doors today. <laughs> May you go in the peace and the favor of God. May his countenance shine upon you. May it radiate out of you. And may the love of Jesus be felt to everyone you come in contact with. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Don't be in a hurry to get out of here. Thank you.